welcome back to another episode. This is Control Alt Delete, the podcast with the same name as my book, which comes out this week. So today's guest is Deliciously Stella, who I discovered on Instagram last year, and from that moment on, I've been hooked on her hilarious updates, gently mocking the eat clean movement. So it's a parody account created by comedian Bella Younger. She started off small and over the past year has basically attracted lots of fans, including Davina McCall, who tweeted about it and it went nuts. She also has been getting a lot of mainstream press in Grazia, The Daily Mail, BBC, The Times, BuzzFeed, basically absolutely everywhere. If you Google Deliciously Stella, you will find so many articles writing about how funny it is. So she's grown on Instagram to 125,000 followers and some magazines have called her the Instagram anti-hero. I find this awesome and it's so on brand for this podcast of talking about people who have really carved out a niche for themselves using social media and from this Instagram account she now has a book deal which is a bit of a parody cookbook and TV pilots in the works and also a show at Edinburgh Fringe which um, is all about Deliciously Stella and you'll find out a bit more about what that show is about during this podcast but we talk about so many things. I learned so much more about Bella as a person and as a businesswoman and just how um, something like this really can just organically spiral starting with social media. So I hope you love this episode as much as I do and thanks again for tuning in and all your support with this podcast. Thank you. Here it is. Very excited to have a Deliciously Stella on my podcast. Hello. Well, slash the real name, Bella Younger. Yeah, real which name. Which is important. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find it annoying when people call you Deliciously Stella in person? Do they think you're called Stella? I, everyone thinks I'm called Stella, to be honest. And no, it's not annoying at all. It's so nice. It's nice that anyone even deigns to recognise me. So yeah. it's always very exciting. So I have been a fan for a long time and started following you near the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I found you before Davina McCall, can I just say? I know. You really you really did. You were the first like person of note. And I was like, ooh, Emma Gannon, that's good. Um, and then it was Gizzy Erskine. And then Davina just went, Oh, yeah. I mean, I was so happy for you. I remember the day. I was like, (laughs) yes. Um, But it's been amazing to follow your journey. And that's why I really just wanted you on the podcast, because obviously it is all about social media and it is all about building your own brand from scratch and carving your own niche. Mm. And did you expect it to kind of spiral in this way? In all honesty, when I started it, my hope was that maybe a couple of people would share it on Facebook within my friendship group and like one person might come and see my Edinburgh show. Mm. And then it just cropped up everywhere on everyone's Facebooks. And I was like, oh, this is so weird. Like, I can't believe people are actually enjoying this. And then just went nuts. Absolutely bonkers. I was on a shoot filming because I used to work in telly. And my boss goes, you're turning off your phone and you are not like checking it throughout that shoot because you were at work. So I didn't turn it off and it was in my back pocket and it was going, Oh my God. And I was like, something's happened, something's happened. Yeah. Yeah, that's so exciting. It's like an adrenaline rush of like, ah, everyone like is engaging. Yeah. Somebody told me that um, by getting a like on Instagram, you get like a hit of dopamine. Yes, I heard that. I know. That makes me a bit sad because apparently it is um, increasing our likelihood to sort of not go out and meet real people at a party. Because you're like, well, I've had my rush of like, you know, interaction today like I feel Mm. loved and it's like 
yeah, people like your selfie. Not really the same as going and talking to people in the room. No, definitely um, not. But so I remember um, started following you and it was hilarious. And then literally it was like, um, got a copy of Grazia. There you were. Got a copy of pretty much every magazine. Mm. Do you find that it is that like so exciting that you can just start something on something like Instagram and for it to kind of go mainstream? Was there any sort of tactics there or was it just totally organic? It was completely organic, to be honest. I was so surprised that it got as big as it did. And I was never sort of very good at social media. I didn't tweet a lot. I'd Instagrammed about twice in my life. Mm. And I just, I had the idea and I was like, maybe, maybe some people will see this. Yeah. Well, how did the idea come about? I haven't ever asked you that, actually. Well, I I used to work in food telly and there were all these chefs coming in and out. And that's how I found out about the Eat Clean thing. I spent a Sunday afternoon just like scrolling through Instagram, looking at endless like avocados and beets yoga and all that jazz and I was like good god this is this is really smug and I'm, I'm a bit annoyed and I'm really hung over on my sofa eating dominoes and I feel sorry for myself so I went back into the office and my <laughs> boss Faye and I were like imagine if you did deliciously Bella like imagine how that would be and then yes. deliciously Bella was taken so Stella was born oh my god no way yeah and she was like I can't believe you followed through with all that like I can't believe you kept it going I was like yeah. That's hilarious. So do you now solely work for yourself? Do you still work in that sort of realm as well? No, I I literally just do comedy, the stand up and I've got a book. Yeah. And I do the podcast. So Amazing. yeah. So it is really taken on a life of its own. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of, it, it keeps me alive, which is amazing. To be able to do something so fun for a living. Oh my God, yeah. Is ridiculous absolutely so has the social media traction and all of the growth that you've had um online translated into your shows becoming more popular and bigger and things like that because i'm coming to edinburgh i'm so excited to see it um so yeah how has that worked kind of how how much of an impact has it had on your shows i mean it's been amazing i've sold out like venues and people there will always be someone there who knows what deliciously stellar is and I think that makes such a difference because they really get it and understand it mm-hmm. and they're already on my side yeah so before doing shows you I would have to literally convince someone of who I was and that I was funny and mm-hmm. it, it took a lot longer to sort of warm them up whereas now someone will come and they'll be like I'm here to watch deliciously stellar and I could just walk out and put my pants on my head and they're already excited oh it's so exciting so it, it's is it nice. is that going to be a massive difference then from last year to this year? Because I came to see your show last year and that was different. That was a, yeah, yeah, champagne socialist. Yeah, and um, it's hilarious. But then I kind of knew I was an early adopter, so I knew kind of yeah. of you. Yeah. But this show is called Deliciously Stellar, right? The one yeah. in August. Yeah. Could, can you give a little bit of a yes? I can. Taster? So it's character comedy and Deliciously Stellar. Um, her boyfriend has just got back from Burning Man and he's left her for an, a food blogger called Amazingly Alicia. <laughs> Who's just who's like absolutely storming the world and taking everything over? And Stella really wants to win him back, so she decides to start her own sort of like eat clean program, and she gets it so unbelievably wrong. And there's loads of like audience interaction, and it's it's really ridiculous. Oh, that's that's so cool! I love that you're giving like a bigger narrative to this character that you've created. Yeah. She's got a narrative. I'm hoping that her narrative might turn into a sitcom. So. Yes. Well, I was actually going to go on to that because I saw your ama- that amazing clip on Vimeo that you shared. Is oh, that related? Yeah. There's a girlfriend in there that is crying that she hasn't been um, proposed to. 
Yeah. I know that's not deliciously stellar, but I'm seeing some themes here. Yeah, um, basically, that was just inspired by all my friends. I'm 28 and all my friends yeah. are starting to get engaged. Facebook is just weddings and proposals. All it is is weddings and proposals. And there are some people who are literally on tenterhooks. They're like, when is it going to happen? Like, When am I going to get proposed to? And they've become these, like, you know, bridezillas in, in the waiting. And, yeah, it's, it's terrifying. So, yeah, I wrote that episode doing a little interview about it in the mirror. It was really fun. It's really nice to do something that's not deliciously Stella because I love Stella, but she's going to have a shelf life. Mm. Like she'll only be popular for as long as Eat Clean is popular, I guess. But that's the really exciting thing about the internet is that um, as long as you're creating content, you can evolve and do loads of different things. Yeah. Do you enjoy one more than the other? Is there one medium that you're really into? Mm, I think writing is what comes first. I'm a writer first, a performer second. I love performing when it goes well, but like I've got quite a little, a thin skin. Mm -hmm. And when it goes badly, it hits me really, really hard. And I get very, very anxious about going on stage. So I love it when it's good, but when it's bad, I want to go and crawl into a hole. Yeah. <laughs> and pretend it's not happening. No, so, I know what you mean. I know yeah. exactly what you mean. I think that's the ups and downs of being a creative person. Yeah, I was listening to your podcast with Stevie Martin from Massive Dad, oh, and yes. I was so relieved that she hates previewing because I hate. Are you doing any? I've done so many. Have you? Are you doing some before your de- Deliciously Stella show? Yeah, or you've done some. I'm, I'm previewing the Deliciously Stella show at the moment. Wow! And where do you do that? Well, loads of places, mainly in London, but I'm going to do one in like Henley, one in Bedford. I'm not even sure where Bedford Bedford is. Uh, me neither. I should probably find out <laughs> before I go. Yeah, maybe <laughs> have a little Google. Um, yeah. So I'm doing I'm doing it loads at the moment, but yeah, being a comedian, you have to. You rehearse everything in front of people. So the first time you do something will be in front of a crowd. And that's what's so terrifying because you have no idea if it's going to land or if it's going to be absolutely pants. Do you play all the different characters? Um, No. So basically, Stella is the only character, but then she like references all the different characters throughout. So I know I'm doing this a little bit back to front, but um, I don't think it matters. But um, I wanted to ask... Where sort of did you start up career-wise and what did you learn along the way? Were you always sort of in TV? No, so I left university in a recession and interned um, for magazines for like a year and a half and then didn't get a job because it was all a bit of a nightmare. Worked as a copywriter Um, and then I went to a wedding and I sat next to the head of entertainment at the BBC and he said, do you want to be my PA? It was ridiculous. So I ended up being PA to this madman at the BBC and yeah, just went from there. And then I started just being a telly person and I left last summer to become a comedian. It's so exciting. So exciting. I mean, I never thought it would happen so quickly. It's ridiculous. It's been like a year and a half. I love it. I think it's just the power of putting yourself out there Mm. and you don't need anyone's permission to say, this is what I want to do. And I love that. There's no middlemen. Yeah. It's all, it's quite a lot of pressure. Like it's all on you. You've got to keep it going. Yeah. How are you, how are you managing um, that? Because I guess... I'm I'm a very in a very similar position where it's lots of different cogs are turning. How do you kind of manage your time in that way? Are you quite a chilled person or how do you manage all of the stuff? I'm extremely unchilled. I'm like a massive control freak and I get I get really, really worried about stuff. So I have to sort of plan everything out quite meticulously. Do you plan your Instagram? I don't plan my Instagram. Well, I've started to now a bit more. I used to just wake up and go, Oh, what am I gonna do? But now that um material is actually getting thinner on the ground I am I'm planning quite a lot in advance yeah but yeah so I work from home and I'm not really sure how I feel about that 
Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm enjoying it that much. Yeah, it's a weird one. I've um I've only I've only been actually like totally self-employed for six months. Loving working for myself, but working from home is um is a weird one. I plan in meetings in the day, so I've like seen humans. Oh, that's what I do as well. Yeah. Like today is my seeing humans moment. <laughs> yes, exactly. This is my seeing humans moment. Yeah. Which is great. It's like, why did you start a podcast? So I could see some humans. Yeah. If I don't see humans, though, I just lose the plot. I spend all the time. Just My mum's like, you've called me six times today. And I'm like, yeah, because you don't have a job. And I know that you'll pick up the phone. Yeah. Are you an extrovert then? Uh, Yeah. 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 I mean, I was going to say. Yeah. Do you think time. you have to be one to be a performer, comedian? I think you have to be a bit mad to be a comedian. I don't think that anyone who does it is completely all there upstairs. You know when Stevie was saying on the podcast that, um, sorry, little plug, go back and listen to that one if you want to afterwards. Um that uh, you can tell the the room and, and how much they're laughing and whether they don't laugh enough and things like that. Mm. Are you aware of that when you're performing or are you kind of just like, let's just get it over and done with? You're not really listening to no, the crowd. No, abs- absolutely. You've got to listen to the crowd. It's so important because... But the part of the previewing process is that you keep doing stuff and changing it every time. And if something doesn't work, you need to accept it doesn't work. Even if you love it, you have to get rid of it. So I've had to kill so many babies Aww. just because... Not actual babies. Not actual babies. <laughs> not actual babies. <laughs> Baby jokes. Um, because, yeah, people just don't get them or they do, but they're not as good or they just don't land every time. And, you know, you are supposed to deliver something that has a laugh every minute. Yes. So, yeah, you've got to be really, really ruthless and cutthroat. There's nothing worse at a gig than a silent laugher. Oh, my God, yeah. Well, I, I actually am, so I'm going to have to try and make some noise at your... Um, yeah. Because I, I throw my head back and just sort of, yeah, just do a really wispy sort of silent laugh. But I'm actually in pain because it's so funny. Well, as long as you look like you're enjoying yourself. <laughs> I did a show last week and this woman sat in the front row and she just didn't even move a muscle. She just looked absolutely miserable. It was like I was, you know, murdering her cat on stage. Oh, God. And then at the end she comes up and she goes, that was so amazing. I was like, was it though? That is so confusing. But then you can't let that put you off, I guess. No. Either. No. Sometimes, like, if it's a Monday and everyone's like, oh, I've come to see this comedy show, but I don't want to drink or I've got to be up early, you know, it's difficult to, like, really throw yourself in there. And if one person doesn't start cackling, no one else yeah. will. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting as well. It's almost like a kind of group mentality of, like, yeah. we're all going to laugh it's like together. Permission to laugh. Yeah. So, who um, are your favourite comedians? Who do you look up to or kind of stalk online to be like, what are they doing? Um, I mean, Lena Dunham all the time. I love, I love Amy Schumer. I love Amy Poehler. I really love the like American female comedians. I look up to. I think so much more than ones over here at the moment. Mm-hmm. There are some great ones though. I mean, like Bridget Christie's brilliant. All her stuff of feminism, I love. Sarah Pascoe is also great. Oh, I love her. Yeah. Um, yeah, like so many people are doing such great stuff. There just needs to be more women on the television. Yes. Yeah. How do you feel about that and the fact that? Um, I mean, so when I finished interviewing stevie Mm. we turned the microphones off she said to me thank you for not asking me about being a woman in comedy Mm. and as in i'm i'm sick of it yeah are you sick of it i mean i'm sick of it but then i'm also playing the vagina card all over town so i'm going into meetings and being like well i know you need more women yeah (laughs) so they do it is working like in my favor at the moment but it's still annoying like there's such a long way to go do you think it's a generational thing as well because um i was watching Oh, what's that panel show? They all look the same because they all have the same men on. Um, it's not Mot the Week and it's not QI. It's or oh, it's not Ten Cats, whatever it's called. It's the one whose line, whose joke is it anyway, or something? Oh, whose line is it anyway? Who's, yeah, it had David Mitchell and all of them. Yeah. In my mind, it's like forty, fifty-year-old men. Yeah. All sort of pals. Do you think that there'll be a shift when like the younger generations start going on those panel shows? 
I hope so. I would say that it's it's still quite cliquey in comedy. Mm. Like what even this generation. Really? There's sort of like there's a group of comedians who are all like super intelligent, like Cambridgey types, who their stuff's all quite highbrow and they think they're quite clever. Then there's people like me. I'm so mainstream. I'm like the Paul Potts of comedy, like middle-aged women are just going to love it. Yeah. And um yeah, there's there's definitely cliques. I mean, because I'm so new and I don't really gig cuz I don't really like it. I don't have like any comedian mates. Mm. I'm such a loser. I think that's nice though cuz like there's something like I feel like I drift and float and like make I've like make friends with people but there's no like one central kind of group mm. and I think that's for me quite important. Yeah. But then at Edinburgh you you meet everyone else I guess. Yeah, exactly. Socialize. And like this year it'll be different last year because I decided I was going to become a comedian at the beginning of last year. Like I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I applied for my show and then I quit my job. I moved in with my parents because they live just outside of Edinburgh and I did all my own press and my brother and sister flyered for me and it was Amazing. all just like super duper grassroots. So I was so stressed and so confused by the whole thing. I didn't really go out. I literally mm. just went, did my show, drove back out to the countryside, like slept and you know, slowly became more and more malnourished and terrified. Oh my God. Where did that motivation and I guess the confidence come from at the very beginning? Were you just kind of thinking, I love this, so I'm going to give it a go? Mm, I've just, I've been thinking, you know what, you've been talking about this for so long and you, you need to do it now. Like you literally need to do it now. Like I didn't really like my job. I'd had a couple of really like awful boyfriends and I was like right you've got terrible taste in men you don't like your job you need to achieve something and I can't run so I couldn't do a marathon (laughs) so I thought I'll give this a go and in my mind I was like if no one comes you can tell your grandchildren that you did comedy once and that's great yeah but then people came and I got an agent and now I'm a comedian this is like the best story ever yeah it's great I just like feel like it's so nice to know that if you want to do something, there's nothing standing in your way, you can do it and you should just try. Yeah. And even if it seems like the most ridiculous thing in the whole world, like doing a month-long Edinburgh show where no one knows who you are, just give it a go. Mm. Like, nothing is stopping you. I think there's something really nice about having a bit of a story like that when, in a way, it's quite good if no one comes at the beginning. I know they did, but, you know, when uh, Michael McIntyre always says, like, he went to Edinburgh, like, seven times, like, Tim, and then mm. now... I don't know, it gives the story a bit more of an edge. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, just go and fail and then you know you'll have something to tell your grandchildren yeah exactly yeah and like you don't have to have gone to Cambridge and been in the footlights to be a comedian you don't you can do yeah you can come from anywhere and you can be good yeah that's a good message to send out um so with the comedy circuit and things like that Mm. is there anything that you wouldn't do because I have seen some comedians for example like pop up on like TV ads and things like that. Is that is that anything that you're just like, if someone offered it to you, you'd be like, no, that's not really on brand with what I do. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm going to be the face of Courgette anytime soon, but... <laughs> you never know. <laughs> you actually never know. Offer me enough money. Um, no, I think there's, there's pretty much nothing that I wouldn't do. Like, I think doing ads is great. Like, comedians have got to live. It's an yeah. incredibly difficult way to make money. Yeah. Like, whatever you need to do, do. That's how I feel about the Instagram and branded content. People have been sort of funny about... The idea of me working with brands because they feel like it's like you know disingenuous but realistically if yeah. I if you want me to post every day and you want me to do shows and you want me to do all this sort of stuff I'm gonna have to find a way to make some money and stay alive like I live in London it's so expensive absolutely and that's what's interesting I find as well with like the TV TV commissioners aren't commissioning that much anymore are they Mm-mm. not new stuff anyway it's no. not like the kind of heyday of um I don't know 
French and Saunders or whatever, where it's like, here's all the money, go and do mm. what you want to do. Do you find that you do have to find new ways of making money, like maybe a web series as opposed to a mainstream Channel 4 series or whatever? It's all very new. Yeah, I th- I think so. I think back in the day, I read a really good interview with Jennifer Saunders in The Guardian, and um, she was saying that back in the day, they'd, just, they'd give you a load of money, they'd give you time to, to, to grow the idea, so they'd say, we'll give you a couple of series so you can get better. Whereas now, if someone gave me something, I'd be given very little money and I would have to deliver mm. in the first episode and it would have to be yeah. an absolute massive hit for anything to happen with it. So it's harder now, is it? It is, but I'm... I'm intending to accidentally find myself on Channel 4 quite soon. Yeah, well, I mean, I can totally imagine it happening. I want it to. I mean, I want it to so much. If anyone's listening. Yeah, if anyone's <laughs> listening, I've written a really good treatment for it's very Deliciously good. Stella, the sitcom. Pick that up now. Yeah. I'm I like really staring at the microphone like, anyone? <laughs> yeah, anybody here? But on that, on that note, because yeah. I know that we're laughing about that, but I think me and you have that in common that we do ask for stuff. Yeah. Like I I put I pitch myself regularly. I'm like, here I am, this is what I do. Um do you think that's important for especially what you do? Because I think I think men do it a lot. Mm. And I think the modest reaction would would be for you to sit here and be like, Well, maybe one day, but you know, don't worry. But no, we're like, come on, it's ready, it's great. Yeah. Um, do you think that's a good trait to have? I think being assertive is one of the most important things that you can have when you work for yourself, especially when you work for yourself in a creative industry. I think that if you don't ask for stuff, you're not going to get it. Like, yeah. um, I used to, I wrote a blog for years and um, I just was sitting there going, why has no one found this and told me it's amazing? Like, mm. why has nothing happened? And it's because if you don't ask, you don't get. Like, you've got to put yourself out there and you've got to, like, make yourself known. Yeah. Because no one's going to do it for you. Absolutely. Because I, I wrote on my blog for like two years with no one read it. And I knew it was going to be a long haul. I mm, just knew that mm. the more I put out, the more likely people will find me. Because yeah. I think it's like a probability thing. Yeah, it's like, exactly. well, how many times are you going to try? Because if you only try once, it probably won't happen. Exactly. Like, it, that's exactly the same. Like, my friend to me was like, I'm so proud of you. You know, you've worked so hard for so long and you, you're now where you wanted to be. And I was like, oh, well, I've only been trying to be a comedian for a year and a half. And they were like, no, but no, all yeah, of the all stuff of the that stuff. you've done has been working towards this. And this is just the thing that happened to work. But you tried again and again and again. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what it is. You just keep plugging away. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true. It is an important thing to say that everything else that you do, the years building up to it, is really important as well. All of that stuff that you learn. Yeah, it is. Like all of those internships and you know, writing yeah. writing blogs and trying to film videos of myself and, you know, everyone who I've met along the way, like it's it's nuts because I used to just write to agents all the time. I used to write sitcom scripts and just like send them off. Nothing ever happened. No one would even read one. Now people would read anything that I did. So how do you separate it just out of interest with like the kind of deliciously stellar is like such a is such a brand now? Mm. Um, do you have tote bags? I have tote bags. Oh my God, want one. Yeah. Um, so I feel like you know, you've done so well there of, I work in the media, but my friends who do not work in the media and like don't live even in London are like, no, you know, they're like, oh my God, delicious Estella. Like, are you, she coming on your podcast? And I find that really interesting when it is like someone who lives in the middle of like a rural town has heard of you. I think that's amazing. Um, So yeah, that's like so solid. But then do you find that um, Bella 
is almost like a separate kind of brand in a way that you need to kind of that's like the center point of everything that you do yeah I feel like definitely the brand Bella Younger is something that needs to be pushed a little bit to the forefront because but at the moment it's fine because a deliciously seller is everything that I'm doing so I'm doing the show the book the podcast it's all deliciously seller and that's great and I just want to keep the brand going but at some point I'm going to have to evolve into myself because, you know, I do do straight stand-up and I do love doing straight stand-up and I do want to write things that might not be to do with mm-hmm. Eat Clean and Stella and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, oh my God, I love this. I think it's so important as well to give yourself the freedom to like rebrand and change and evolve. Yeah. And I feel like some bloggers feel very trapped in their blog name. They're like, mm. oh, I made that when I was like 19 and now I'm nearly 30. Um, you know, I need to kind of maybe evolve. But then something just came to mind, which is so random, but like Alan Partridge. <laughs> That's just a character that people know him yeah, by. Yeah, but everyone thinks he's Alan Partridge. Yeah, but actually, um, like I listened to Desert Island Discs. Oh my God, what's his actual name? Steve Coogan. Yeah, sorry, Steve Coogan. But like Steve Coogan um, is a very sensible man. Yeah, he is. He's a very intelligent man. Yeah, he and is. And I find that like really cool dynamic that you can dip in. Did I just compare you to Steve Coogan? I'm so sorry. I mean, I absolutely love that. I mean, let's just, yeah. He's a genius, so (laughs) that's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I did actually sell her the characters as an extension of myself, which is why it's not that difficult to play her because she's got like a bit of a silly posh voice. And, you know, I'm friends with a lot of people who are, you know, clean eaters and wellness bloggers and yoga instructors. I see you in the party pages of the uh, Evening Standard. I've been in the party pages. <laughs> I've seen you at these these lovely events. <laughs> I go to these lovely events and I have a lovely time. So I, I guess you are Bella on the podcast, aren't you? Yeah. I am Bella on the yeah, podcast yeah. because, I mean, if I did it in character, I would speak a bit like this and would I'd be you? like, listen to my body, not my doctor. Oh my God, I'm so excited to see your show. Yeah, I mean, because she's, she's genuinely a moron. So I have to be Bella when I'm interviewing genuine, proper people on my podcast. Okay, that's really interesting, actually, because it's the same as, like, well, when people think that Lena Dunham is Hannah Horvath. Yeah. And she's like, Hannah's an awful person. Like Hannah is an awful person. She's so annoying. So she's like, yeah, I can play her very easily. Mm. I can play an entitled millennial. Yeah, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Couldn't we all? Yeah, couldn't we all? My old (laughs) blog was called 22 and on the shelf. And I'm now 28. And I'm like, it's so inappropriate. Do you feel that um, 30 is a a thing? I kind of feel like, let's stop making 30 a milestone. But but is it a bit of a clock ticking? I'm embracing it. I literally, I feel like with every year I get older, I like myself more. I I feel way more comfortable with the, the choices that I make. I've grown out of being an absolute hooligan hedonist and I'm just enjoying my life I just want to get a dog and carry on working and have a nice time and I'm just yeah I'm just yeah slowing down a bit kind of slowing down but in the best way yeah yeah yeah. I feel like my 30s are going to be my favorite decade yeah getting in my 20s was just nuts yeah absolutely nuts I know I um people always say when they're older past 30 they're just like I would never wish 20s on anyone ever again the 20s anxieties. Yeah. Like, you worry so much. We're not out of them yet, but we're getting there. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not out of them yet, but I do yeah. I do worry less the older I get. That's really nice. And that's really nice. Oh, well, that's a really lovely note to leave it on. Yeah. Um. Oh, my God, I've learned so much more about you. This has been great. Well, thanks so much for having me. This has been a joy. You are welcome. And we've seen people today. And we've seen people. So I'm not going to go and cry in the corner of my flat now. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you. Bye. 
If you like this episode, please remember to leave a review or a rating on iTunes. It would mean so much to me. Also, um, tweet me at GirlLostInCity on Twitter. I'd love to hear your feedback. So thanks so much again for listening and make sure you tune in next week. Bye.